Hello and welcome to On The Button, the video marketing podcast. In this episode, we speak to Jeremy Stinton. He's head of UK at Video Platform 23. Now in his role, he has a quite unique perspective on measurement and distribution of video. And so we spend quite a lot of the time in this episode talking about that. But importantly, amongst other things, we also talk about plugging into your marketing automation, how you can track a user's journey all the way from watching your video to converting into a customer. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Now, we've known each other for about 20-something years, and in that time, we've both been working in video. So I know that you know your stuff. For the audience that don't know you as well as me, can you just introduce yourself? Tell me what it is you do and what you know about video. Uh, I am Jeremy Stinson, so I'm currently head of UK at a company called 23 which is a video marketing and webinars platform. So as uh, you correctly say, Simon, uh, I've spent most of my career in the video space from co-owning an agency, creating digital video content and strategy and creating some fantastic successes there, uh, engaging big audiences. And I've spent about the last 10 years in the SaaS vendor space. So on the technology side, helping clients be successful with their video and webinar strategies. So hopefully I've picked up a few things along the way. Absolutely. And you've talked there about the fact that you're kind of on the delivery side and how measurement is so important. I think it'd be great to start just talking about what people should achieve with video what or what is what are they capable of achieving with video? Because a lot of the time, you know, as I'm sure you know, people aren't measuring the effectiveness of content. Why, why not? What, what should they measure? Yeah, and that, that's always a really good question. And it goes down to, you know, what, what are they trying to achieve, of course? So as we know, when we embark on a video project, we should be looking at what's the objective. So that therefore is going to give us what do we need to measure to um, confirm that we've been successful or not. So, you know, it depends whether your application is for external marketing or internal communications. But if we take external marketing, for example, typically people are trying to generate leads um, with with their activity. So, um, of course, it depends on where they are uh, within the funnel. But ultimately, if they're trying to generate leads from their marketing activity, if they're trying to create inbound, then, of course, a video is a great way of being able to do that, being able to capture people's um, contacts directly within a piece of content. And then, of course, flowing that information through into, into other areas of the MarTech stack. So, I mean, that's the absolute pinnacle, um, I guess, of some, something really tangible. But I guess if your objective is more brand awareness, it's more top of funnel stuff, then maybe you are more interested in uh, engagement and maybe who's engaging uh, and those, those sort of metrics. Analytics is a really difficult subject for a lot of organizations, and they often don't know where to start with, um, with analytics. And as a result, you know, sometimes it becomes nobody's problem um, and analytics ultimately don't get recorded or reported around campaigns. And, uh, you know, we see that a lot with with clients. The tools are there. They don't have the resource in, internally to do anything meaningful um, with that data and with, with that information. And that can be a real challenge for organizations. Yeah, I think we're working with a client at the moment uh, on something similar in that you know, they're, they're sending content out organically and through paid distribution. Uh, and the amount of data that comes back is is significant. And sometimes it's easier just to 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 ignore it or or just rely on views, because obviously that's easy to, to measure. But to do it properly, really, you need to be 
digging much deeper, don't you? And understanding and interpreting that data uh, and then using that to influence what you're making moving forward. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And we see a lot of people out there measuring just views, but actually that can be really dangerous as you allude to because you, you okay, so you get a thousand views in a month on a video, but if they're not relevant to you, if they're not your target audience, then that thousand views is completely irrelevant. Um, so you've not actually identified how much engagement uh, you're creating or indeed whether they're the right people in the right geography, in the right demographic for your campaign. So it's very easy to measure views, but it's it's uh, approach with caution, I would say. I guess um, one of the problems when you're trying to measure all of these things is that now most of these platforms allow you to upload content natively. Um, so LinkedIn, for example, which means that you potentially got analytics all over the place as well. So how do you deal with that? Well, that, that can be a real challenge for organizations. So a platform like 23 will allow you to bring some of those um, analytics from social platforms as well as your embeds on your website back into the platform and measure those um, side by side. But that doesn't um, necessarily account for all the channels that an organization might be using. So this is where things like um, Google Analytics can be quite, quite useful. Uh, to bring together those um, those pieces of information more holistically, um, but crucially, flowing information wherever possible through into the CRM and marketing automation. So you can start identifying back to a contact level, um, if you can, what's actually what's going on with, uh, with your content. Well, you've talked about the funnel as well, sort of going back a step. Now, YouTube obviously is still the second biggest search engine in the world. And most of our clients will sort of, it's almost knee-jerk, content tends to go on to, to YouTube, YouTube first. What are your thoughts on that? Is that the right thing to do? What are the limitations with, with relying on YouTube? Again, it really depends on your objective. So if we go back to that idea of the funnel, then if you're trying to be engaged people very top of funnel, then perhaps YouTube is the right place. As you say, it's the second largest search engine. So you will get... Uh, some engagement with content. Again, going back to what we've just said about views, you don't necessarily know though on YouTube whether it's the right audience. Um, and that's one of the real dangers of, of YouTube. So that's danger number one. Other dangers include not being able to actually control the experience. So by that, I mean, you know, if you're thinking about your video campaign, you're attracting people to the video with some sort of attract component. So whether that's sharing on social, sharing on YouTube, then you're engaging people with, with video. You know, you've created a fantastic piece of content. So hopefully people are going to engage with all or most of that content. But then critically, you want them to convert. You want them to do something next. So, you know, as digital marketeers, we're always thinking about what's the next click. And of course, video is absolutely no different to that. So if you think about the YouTube environment, of course, people engaging a piece of video content on YouTube, and that's great. Um, but what, where do they go next? So we've all experienced engaging in content on YouTube. Down the right-hand side is all those recommended videos. There'll be your favorite music videos. There'll be something vaguely related to the video that you've just watched. It might be a competing uh, product or a competing service to the video that you've just watched. So as a brand, if you're engaging people on YouTube, you have no control over what people watch next. So you work really hard to create a great piece of content. You work hard maybe optimizing on, on YouTube to engage people with that content and attract them to that content. But you've then lost the opportunity 
Um, so you have no idea who is watching. And indeed, you're not able to take them through your digital journey because they could easily be off watching competitor content or the favorite music video or, or whatever um, happens to be there on the right. Cats playing side. pianos, Jeremy. Cats playing pianos. Yeah, cats playing pianos. That's always my favorite. Well, that's really interesting then. But if you look at the alternative to YouTube, so a platform like 23, obviously there's costs involved with that. Is that right? So how would a client, how does a client measure whether it's worth investing in a platform like 23? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, if you're, if you're an organization with a large volume of content, um, then you're going to be running multiple campaigns. You'll have multiple pieces of video content. Um, and you know, it should be possible to attribute to that campaign. Okay. What is that campaign worth? What's the return on investment ultimately worth? So if we are able to, for example, generate 50 leads a month as a result of this piece of video content, well, we'll know how much a lead is worth to our organization. So therefore we can calculate, um, in hard terms, what the value um, of that campaign is. So if you then start multiplying that up against multiple pieces of content, um, then actually uh, platforms like 23, and there are plenty of others out there, um, we're not the only one, uh, as you know, um, it is easy to justify um, the, the value of those platforms if you can ultimately achieve your objective um, via that route. I mean, it's true to say, I think that Lots of other types of media are kind of taken more seriously than video. It's almost like, and it's been like this for 20 years, really. Video has always been kind of seen as something that's almost made as an afterthought. I mean, hopefully that's changing. And certainly I've seen it changing amongst our clients. But would you agree that it still hasn't, it isn't measured in the same way as a lot of other, you know, the website, for example, that'll be analyzed. What pages are performing best? What's the dwell time? How can we fix it? Is that, is that, would you agree? Am I right there? Uh, I, you absolutely are. And video is very much misunderstood, which is why it's great to have pieces of content like this out there um, that people can digest. People often don't know how to, un, uh, how to start with a video campaign, for example. Um, people get very excited about the content. People get very excited about running around with cameras and what are the graphics going to be like and you know all of those sort of things. But what they forget to do is to step back and say, actually, what am I trying to achieve here, ultimately, uh, and thinking about it in the same way as all of those other assets and types of campaigns you talked about, um, you know, that they would take, take that approach. I think often people don't take the same approach with video. Absolutely. I mean, certainly the clients that we work with that spend the most on video are the ones that are, are measuring the effectiveness of video because it's much easier to spend money on something when you can demonstrate it's effective, right? It's it's a no-brainer. It's easy to get buy-in from senior stakeholders, which is why that measurement process is so important. Why do you think it is that people just aren't doing it? I think there's, well, the main reason I see actually, and we see as a business, is actually lack of understanding and that um, the need to educate the market actually on how to approach video correctly. And that's you know, it's one of the reasons why it's great for clients to work with an agency like Big Button, for example, that can take them through that strategic process of actually what they're trying to achieve and not just, you know, we, we still see this with agencies. They're still very focused on making a film. But in this day and age, it's not about making a film. It's about creating a, a campaign and creating a digital journey around a video asset. It's a totally, totally different mindset. And I think there's there's certainly some education uh, to be done amongst um, some of the agency world as well when they're advising clients. It's still 
misunderstood and there's still a you know we see a lot of agencies going out there saying oh just stick it on youtube because that's what they know and that's what they're familiar with but for all the reasons we've talked about it's not always the right uh, the right route for the client yeah we we run um, video strategy sessions for our clients where we get all the stakeholders in the organization into a room to talk about video and it's amazing how often you, you realize that these people that are all working with video within an organization have never really talked about it together in a group um, and once they do start having that conversation, then understanding what it's important to make and what's important to measure is much easier and it, and things start to flow. As far as what's best to make, you know, you've got a really good holistic view of video content working for, with a platform. What is it that you see that is most effective? Is, is there a, a type of content that's most effective or does it vary depending on the client? It's a question I get asked a lot, um, and it, it really depends. It really depends on on the client uh, and what space they're in, what their audience is like. But even with the within, you know, for example, we work a lot in the financial services space. But it doesn't necessarily mean that what works for one asset manager is going to work well for another. Um, what where we see clients being very successful is where they put pieces of content out there and they test and measure what's working for them and do more of what's working and less of obviously of what's not working uh, and taking that sort of approach. Um, so they're fine tuning all the time their content uh, for their audience. And that's how ultimately we see clients being very successful with what they're doing. Great. You know, I was talking, I was lucky enough to have um, Amazon AWS on the podcast um, recently, and they were they were talking about how um, the, they see the most successful content as content that, that features their people because their people want to watch their people and find out what's going on in the organization. But interestingly, they also said that, you know, the content with senior leaders kind of C-level uh, tend to be very successful. Whereas, you know, I've spoken to to people before who've said, actually, no, we, we try not to invo involve those C-level employees because that tends to switch the audience off, which I think demonstrates exactly what you said, really, and that it really does vary depending on the client and the audience and, and also, you know, how engaging that speaker is. Have you experienced that? I mean, in in terms of having to have feature someone in a film who maybe probably shouldn't be on film, and how do you find people dealing with that kind of content? Yeah, so ultimately, it's all about creating value for the audience. So, you know, the pieces of content that we do see being very successful um, are where the audience has gained some sort of value from from watching, where it's not just a, a promotion for an organisation; they've actually learned something. Um, so I had a question on a webinar a few weeks ago, uh, which sort of said something to the effect of, well, you know, if you're engaging a B2C audience and you're giving away recipes, then, you know, that's far easier than if you're a B2B organization. But actually, it's, it's not true. B2B organizations have a wealth of knowledge, whether you're in legal or financial or some sort of consultancy. You've got loads of experts within the business that people want to listen to. And they want up-to-date information about what's going on and what are their thoughts and views and um, that opportunity for education. So, you know, that's what's going to keep people engaged and coming back for more and more content is where um, you can impart some value. And that's, that's typically of more value than who the speaker is. Now, the exception to that is, of course, if you've got a well-known speaker who's already built up a bit of a following or people already know that they've got specific knowledge in a specific space, then it totally makes sense to, to feature them. And certainly amongst the financial world, um, I know a lot of people will 
you know, build audience around fund managers, for example, um, because it makes, you know, it makes total sense. They're well known. Um, they, they start to build audiences um, and all of that, that sort of thing. Um, but it doesn't necessarily matter where in the organization the individual uh, is uh, at the end of the day. I think that's a really important point and a really useful tip for the audience there that, you know, no one stops to think, why would someone watch this? You know that that's the value isn't it why would you why would you watch it and a lot of the time there's probably not a good answer for that and so you have to dig a little bit deeper and understand what would motivate someone to watch something and that then dictates what probably should be in that content and who maybe even who should be in that content it's a really good point thank you um now you another sort of unique perspective that you have that a lot of people that i've had on the podcast won't is around plugging into this marketing automation it's something that i get asked about a lot can you give us an idea, just introduce the idea and, and talk to us about, you know, what's possible uh, in terms of measuring uh, an audience's or a member of the audience's journey through marketing automation? Yeah, absolutely. So if we go back to what we were saying uh, about digital journeys, so once somebody's engaged in a piece of video content, you know, what's going to be the conversion? What are they going to be doing next? Um, so if we think about that sort of model, what we can start to do is flow that sort of information into the CRM. So to unpick that a little bit more, for example, when they've played through the video, either partway through the video or all the way through to the end, you have the opportunity to put what's called a collector or a form within the video content for people to either request more information or indeed if it's a high value webinar, then you could potentially gate that content so people have to give you their information before they go any further through that that piece of video. Of course, once you've got that contact information, you can then link a platform like 23 to marketing automation, link it to CRM. So that contact capture that happens within the video actually creates a new contact within the CRM. Or indeed, if they're already a contact within the CRM, you can create a flag that says, okay, this individual has watched this piece of content. And once we've identified that individual, of course, you can then see all of the other video content that that individual has engaged with. And that information, again, can be made available to the CRM. So you can start to build up a really strong picture in the CRM of exactly what people are interested in, what topics they're interested in, what did they watch, what didn't they watch, what did they start watching, but actually stop watching after a very short period of time. And that's not a topic they're interested in. And of course, if they engage for a long period of time, then, you know, across several pieces of content, then there's clear uh, intent and clear um, interest in, in that particular area. Of course, beyond just capturing uh, contacts, you can also understand a length of engagement that uh, that contact is, is engaging in a particular piece of content. And again, all of that information can be made available to, to the CRM, so whether organizations are lead scoring as they would with you know maybe page views or something like that they can start bringing video into their lead scoring models which can be massively massively powerful and of course also going back to what we were saying earlier about analyzing campaigns people can start to effectively look back up the marketing funnel and see actually well it's these pieces of content that consistently make a big difference um, in terms of conversion and, you know, we're not just talking about the marketing funnel here. We can run this all the way through to the sales funnel. So what we can do once that information is in the CRM is say, well, typically these type of clients that ultimately convert and we ultimately sell to and ultimately buy from us actually are interested in, you know, this type of campaign, for example. 
Um, and then, you know, you can see how massively powerful that would be to an organization. Well, when you put it like that, I can't see why anyone wouldn't implement a system uh, like that, to be honest. It seems obvious. Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's really powerful data. Um, you, you, you talked about, though, um, maybe potentially gating content. How often do you think that puts an audience off? And if it does, maybe that's for good reason. And it's only those people that may be more interested or committed that would that would watch that content. Have you got any advice on that? Yeah, and this is something we get asked a lot. So it, again, it goes back to what, what's ultimately your objective. If your objective is purely to create length of engagement and you're not worried about the audience, you know, if it's super top of funnel stuff, then it doesn't make sense to gate it, you know, if um, if that's not what you're interested in. But ultimately, the further we go down the funnel, you know, it, if someone is just watching a piece of video content, it really has no value unless you know who they are and you're building, uh, adding them to lists or have some other opportunity to follow up with them. So, you know, it de really depends on on where they're at um, within the funnel on that one. And I guess also it depends, you know, it's down to the content to a certain extent. Totally agree with what you said, but if you can then create content that's really intriguing and interesting, then people are much more likely to want to continue to watch it and, you know, give give you their email address, whatever it, whatever it might be. So that's why it's so important to make interesting content that stands out i guess yeah absolutely and making really clear to the audience at the outset so whether that's either through the description or the title of the video and the thumbnail or whether that's indeed through the first you know three to ten seconds of the video you're capturing people's uh, attention so they they're absolutely compelled to watch the rest of the content and then if they're compelled to watch then they're much more likely to give you their contact details but I mean, to your original point, you are always going to lose some people along the way. Whenever you put a, a form uh, in front of people, you are going to lose some of your audience. But as you rightly say, what you're going to get then is those that are committed and those that are really interested and those that are really high value to you as a brand. But that data that you're gathering is so useful, like you said, it's to the brand. It's not just to you and the team that are producing the video, but much more widely, the marketing team, but even beyond that, can you use this insight as to, okay, this is our audience that are converting. And look, this is the kind of content they're interested in watching. That gives an amazing insight that you can't really get in any other way. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, very often organizations, marketing teams struggle to work with sales and the other way around. And you end up with sort of silos of information and silos of working. but by working in this way, you can actually provide, you know, as a marketeer, you can provide amazing insights to the sales team as to exactly what people are interested in. So before they reach out via email, before they pick up the phone, actually, they've got a massive head start in what that individual is interested in. So they're more likely to convert as sales, but obviously as marketeers, um, you know, massive brownie points for, um, for teeing the sales team up for success. What about the other side of it then? What doesn't work? So um, we've talked there a lot about the, you know, what the most effective types of video and how to measure it. Is there anything that really stands out to you where clients keep keep producing a certain type of content that's just completely ineffective? Yeah, um, and without sort of naming any names, but going back to, you know, what you were talking about uh, in terms of forcing particular speakers, maybe that are very senior within an organization, you know, I, I've, I've seen this a lot where somewhere, someone very senior in an organization says, we need to do a video on X and I want to be in it. And it's all about the people within the organization and what they want. They don't step back and think about what does the audience want? What, what is going to make something compelling here that the audience is going to engage with? 
and that's where organizations fall down with with content um and that that content can take all sorts of different forms there are all sorts of genres that that could uh, could ultimately take but it's where they're thinking about what they want as an organization rather than what the audience wants and that that's where they fall down great thank you well i'm i'm running a webinar um soon on trends for 2022 in video so i'm going to milk you for some information now what do you think uh the trends are going to look like in 2022 when it comes to video i think this is going to be a very tough one to call especially with the uncertainty around covid and and that sort of thing so of course over the last two years we've seen a big uh, increase in webinar content, and we'd absolutely see that as a type of video content as well. So there's been a big peak in that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves going through through next year. I think, we, I mean, we've talked a lot for a number of years about creating more interesting, more human, more relevant type of content. Um, I think that's becoming more and more acceptable over time, uh, although it depends, of course, on your brands. I mean, I, I do hear a lot of brands saying, well, actually, that particular style, that very rough and ready user generated style isn't actually for us. That's not that's not consistent with our brand values. So we're going to steer away from that. And of course, that's absolutely fine. Everybody's got to be different. But um, I mean, there, there are quite a few different ways this this can go over the next 12 months. The last 18 months has been um, a challenge for, for, for us as much as everyone else in the industry. But we, you know, we've tried to adapt and our clients, actually, our clients have reacted very positively to the new way of working. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on, you know, what, what's the best way? What is the best kind of balance at the moment moving forward in terms of user generated against sending a, a film crew out? Yeah, so again, it's kind of coming back to the um, the objective of ultimately what, what do they want to achieve. But we've seen clients being successful in all sorts of ways. Um, we've seen them working with agencies where the agencies have sent out um, some decent uh, equipment uh, and a light and, uh, you know, a decent microphone and that sort of thing, but still a simplified setup versus uh, an in-person, you know, camera crew turning up to your office type setup. And those, and what we have seen actually is those sort of organizations, those agencies actually that have evolved to the current situation, those agencies have uh, done, done very well through the last sort of 12 months. The agencies we've seen struggle a bit are those that have kind of, you know, floundered around and, and tried to use the old ways of working. Um, and this is all around kind of working, working around the problem um, and trying to fit into the new world. And the reason I talk about agencies there is there's clearly demand from clients. You know, if agencies are doing well, then clients want to pay them money. Clients are seeing results ultimately from from that new way of working. So it, it clearly works. And of course, there's there's now a proliferation of tools that allow you to create um, your own content, um, both on your desktop and on your phone, and all of those sort of all of those sort of routes. So 23 Personal is a is a good example of that. Um, allowing people to create um, more human type content, um, which is which is maybe a little bit more a little bit more real. Um, and at the moment, we have big issues with uh, with trust in the media and trust from our politicians and all of that sort of thing. When you can actually see a real person imparting their own views, then actually that that makes a real big difference. Fantastic. Yeah, I think, you know, this new way of working is here to stay irrespective of COVID. You know, our clients are saying 50-50 in terms of the split between virtual remote filming and filming in person for a number of reasons. You know, cost, the fact that we can gather contributors from all over the world in one afternoon 
uh, and it takes them those contributors a lot less time and prep it's a lot less disruptive so you know certainly down that towards that hygiene level of the hero hub hygiene content that i think it's probably here to stay that's interesting it's really fantastic to talk to you jeremy we've run out of time on the session today but thanks very much for joining me and enjoy the rest of your day thank you very much simon uh, a delight to be here I hope you found this episode of the podcast interesting. If you have, please remember to subscribe and share. On the Button is brought to you by Big Button. Big Button is a strategic video agency. You can find out more about our work at bigbutton.tv. I hope you can join us next time.